Amen. Well, welcome to Rethink Life. Can we say hi to everybody watching us online right now? Come on. We can do better. Let's tell them. We're so excited that you are uh, here today and uh, whatever is keeping you from being here, uh, we're glad that you're tuning in. But it's better here. Can I get an amen? So, uh, man, thankful for our worship team and uh, for Johnny and the team leading us. So, uh, welcome. So excited that you guys are, uh, are here with us. And uh, we've had an amazing summer, just an absolutely amazing summer. And uh, kind of last night, or I guess earlier this morning, at 1.30, pulled into this parking lot right here, a bus full of students and leaders, adults that just got back from what we call the Motion Conference up in Birmingham, Alabama. And so uh, God has done some amazing things. I cannot wait to download with all of those students and adults and leaders about all of those things that God has done in and through them, uh, even through just this past, uh, this past weekend. So they were up there for a little over 48 hours, and uh, God spoke to them, did some amazing things. But uh, we've been in the middle of a summer called the Summer of Love. Look at the person next to you and say, love. Yeah, look at the person on the other side of you and say, love. Yeah, if you didn't know them, that might have been awkward, but that's part of the fun. So that's part of the fun. But uh, we're just excited. We're just blessed. And uh, it's been an amazing summer as we've talked and unpacked this word love and what that looks like and what that is. And, um, and so today I get to finish the, uh, the series. And Pastor Rodney is going to be starting a new series next week. Uh, that you definitely want to do not want to miss, so called Soul Detox. And so it's going to be amazing. But today I get to wrap up the Summer of Love. And so I'm excited today because anytime I get the opportunity to share, I like to share with you certain things and certain certain things that, that I go through. And um, I like to be real and honest with you guys. I like to explain to you kind of that I'm not finished. Amen. I'm, I'm still a work in progress. If you're a work in progress, raise your hand. We all are working. If you didn't raise your hand, you are still a work in progress, and that just proves it. Um, so, but we're a work in progress, and so a lot of the things that I go through, a lot of the things that I study, a lot of the things that, that I personally am walking through, I like to share with you guys. And uh, so it's been a really amazing summer for me personally, um, for our family. Um, it's just, it's been a great summer, but I've really been unpacking this, this, this word love. And so knowing that I was going to share this weekend, knowing what that looks like, knowing, knowing, um, you know, that it's the end of the, the, the series, I just begin to think, what is it that, that I can share with you that I've been going through, that I believe God's been challenging me, that I can kind of just be the vessel this morning, you know what I'm saying, like where it just kind of comes through me to you, and so that's what I want to do this morning, and I, wanna, I want you to, to bear with me, I'm going to read you a story this morning that, um, that I've read literally probably hundreds of times, and one of the cool things that I love about the Bible is that you can actually read a story from the Bible that you've read a hundred times, and you can actually read it again and get something new, get something different. How many of you love that? So you can take a story that you first heard when you was a kid, and you can read it as a 39-year-old and think, man, I, has that always been there? Like, do you think that was always there? And so uh, this morning, I get to do that. And what's kind of funny, I was sharing with our team earlier, um, I had the opportunity to speak, obviously, at our Thursday night service. And... Every time that I speak, um, you know, on Thursday night, I, I go back and I, and I like, kind of just think through what I said and, and how it came out. And I continue to pray because even though I spoke it on Thursday, I believe that between Thursday night and Sunday morning, God can give me something fresh. And so um, this morning, I'm going to share with you a, a different approach to the same story that I shared on Thursday night because I reread it a lot Friday and Saturday and got something different. And so 
my points are the same, so the app is still relevant if you follow along on the app. But, but what God has showed me in the last couple of days is fresh. And so I'm getting ready to share it with you for the very first time. And so I hope it comes out the way that I want it to. So to help me along this, would y'all pray with me? Would you, would you do that? Let's pray. Dear God, I pray that today as we read your word in just a moment, God, that it will be fresh, it will be new. God, that people's lives will be changed starting with my own. God, people today that are, that are far from you, God, that are broken, that are hurting, God, that are along this, this path, God, called life, God, and they feel devastated. God, I pray that today they would sense you, they would feel you, and God, they would come to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you got your Bibles, open up your Bibles. I'm going to use my trusty little TV up here to kind of walk through. But the, the passage that we're going to read this morning is from Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. If you've got your app, you can follow along with us. If you don't have a Bible, like you literally just don't own a Bible, I encourage you to stop by the info bar. One of our team members will give you a Bible. But I'm going to share with you this morning from Luke chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 25, and we're going to go all the way to 37 with a minor break in the middle. But this is what it is, and I love this, and I love this story. And so maybe you've heard it before, but today... I pray that God gives you something fresh and gives you something new. Let's start. It says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Well, let's pause for a moment, as I like to do when I teach. An expert in the law. We got a lawyer. Somebody say lawyer. Yeah, somebody say, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. So we got a lawyer. And this lawyer is doing something that a lot of people always do when they talk to Jesus. They're testing him. Can you imagine being always on guard? Jesus, no matter where he went, he was always on guard because there were people out there that were trying to trick him, that were trying to make him fall, that were trying to make him fail. And so here we find Jesus in the same predicament that he finds himself in time and time and time and time and time again. And this time we have a religious leader. No, we have a lawyer. We have a lawyer. Normally it's the religious leaders, but this time we have a lawyer, an expert in the law. Now, I love this because it says this. He says, teacher, he asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So the lawyer's question to Jesus is very simple. What do I have to do to inherit, to receive, to get eternal life? What do I have to do? I love Jesus' response. How many of you love Jesus' response on stuff? Isn't it great? Can you imagine hanging out with Jesus? His personality was killer. I mean, it was awesome. So instead of answering the question, Jesus answers the question with the question. He says, what is written in the what? What's that word right there? Law. He's asking a lawyer what the law says. As if Jesus is saying, you want, you know. I mean, you ask him, but you know. What does the law say? You a lawyer. Open up your Bible, read it yourself. I mean, that's Jesus' response to this guy. Like, I can just imagine, you think Jesus was sitting down at this point? You think he had his cell phone out and he was tweeting? Like, what was he doing? I don't even know if you made eye contact with the guy. He's like, you a lawyer, bro. (laughs) You tell me, you know? He says this, how do you read it? I mean, you can read, right, lawyer? You can read. You want to know how to inherit eternal life and what's the law say? How do you read it? He goes on to say this. He says, he answered, this is the lawyer, love the Lord your God, come on now, with all your heart, yep, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and, somebody say and, and love your neighbor as yourself. So how do you inherit eternal life? Well, the lawyer opens up the law books, he opens up the Bible, and he says, well, it says to me, I'm supposed to love the Lord with everything I got, with all that I have. And I have to love my neighbor, this is crazy to me, as yourself. So you've got to love your neighbor as much as you love you. Mm. 
that's it? I mean, that's, that's all? That's just that? Okay, cool. No, I mean, Jesus is, is literally looking at this lawyer. The lawyer responds with this, and so you're thinking, okay, that's the answer. How many of you know that's the answer? you got to love the Lord your God with everything you have. you got to give everything you have to him. Your mind, body, soul, spirit, strength, everything you got to give to him. And then in turn, you got to love your neighbor the same way you love yourself. Then the lawyer's response is, is crazy to me. Go to the next one. It says, you have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. So Jesus says, you're right. Do this and you will live. And then the lawyer, but he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? I think it's crazy to me that that's the question that he gets from that. Not, how do I love you with everything I have, God? He, he kind of makes it seem like he's already got that one taken care of, right? I mean, that's kind of what it looks like is he's saying, well, well, I got the first part. Like, you know, I mean, I'm all good there. But before I go on, who is my neighbor? Look at the person next to you and say, who is my neighbor? Come on, do better. Everybody's got to do it. Say, who is my neighbor? Of all the things that he could have asked, that's what he asked. The reason why is because we have a lawyer that's trying to justify himself. Because when you try to justify yourself, you know you're guilty. Mm -hmm. How many of you got kids? Yeah, raise your hand if you got kids. Be proud. If they're sitting by you, really raise your hand. Come on. That's how they get a complex. <laughs> I don't know you. Um, so uh, how many of you know your kids get in trouble? How many of your kids get in trouble? You can raise your, some of y'all didn't raise your hand the first time. You put both of them up the second time. So I got data getting in trouble. How many of you know when, when, you, when you're approaching them about something, you know what I'm saying, and, and you tell them something, and they say, but, but, but you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't understand. And then you say, as a mom and daddy, you say, no, I understand. I understand you was wrong. How many of you ever had that conversation? But your kids are trying to justify themselves. But you want, but you don't, but you, but if you could only, but if you just, see the lawyer's trying to justify himself because he knows he's guilty. What's he guilty of? He's guilty, first of all, of not loving God with everything he has. But he, secondly, he's guilty of not loving his neighbor as much as he loves himself. And so what I want to talk about this morning for a moment is I want to talk about in order to truly live like Jesus, because ultimately the lawyer approached Jesus because he wanted to be like Jesus. He wanted to live like him. He was jealous of him. And so in order to live like Jesus, we must first love like Jesus. Let me say that again. In order to live like Jesus, we must first love like Jesus. I've traveled all over and I've talked to so many people and I've talked to people all over literally the country and I've gone on mission and I've talked to people outside of our country and everybody that comes to talk to me as a pastor, they'll say, what do I need to do? And everything that they want to do is they want to live like Jesus. What can I do to be better here? What can I be, do to be better here? Most of everything that we teach here is practical application about how you can do better in your life, how we can do better where we can live more like Jesus. Let me tell you something right now. If you want to live more like Jesus, you've got to first love like Jesus loved. You will never truly live like Jesus lived until you love like Jesus loved. And we see time and time again throughout the scripture of Jesus' life, we see time and time again, he's, the way that he loves people is what makes him different than most anybody else that has ever walked the earth. Is the way that he loves people. When he goes and talks to people that people that, that other people rejected. 
When he sits down at a table with people that are rejected and he says, I love you. When he talks to the Samaritan woman at the well and she says, why are you talking to me? Why? He says, because I love you. I believe that we spend too much time trying to fix our actions. And we don't spend enough time trying to fix our love. And if we could truly love God with everything that we have, and we could love people the way that we love ourselves, I believe at that point we will be on the path to living more like Jesus lived. But we've got to love more like he loved. And so this summer we've been unpacking what that love looks like. And so this morning as we, as we go into this story and as, as, as we read this parable that Jesus shares, one of the things that I got out of this that I had never received before, and it's the parable of the Good Samaritan. How many of you have heard the story of the Good Samaritan? Most everybody's heard the story of the Good Samaritan. And I want to read that to you this morning, but then I want to I kind of pause and I want to kind of rethink how we talk about this. Because the response to, to this man's question, when, when he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? I want to read his response. Jesus responds to him, but he doesn't give him an answer. He tells him a story. Again, Jesus' personality to me is just amazing. And this is what he says. Let's read Jesus' response. He says, in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. A man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho. Just a little brief history. I don't want to get into it a lot. But um, when Jesus said this, that a man was going down from Jerusalem, automatically, automatically, it tells this man, this lawyer, that the man was a Jew. Okay? So automatically it tells us, because he was coming from Jerusalem, that this man Jesus is referring to here, this, this traveler, is a Jew. And this morning, what I want to do is I want to kind of rethink something a little bit because a lot of times I believe that Jesus, and when we read this, we believe that Jesus is trying to explain to us to be like the Good Samaritan, which we're going to get to in a moment. But I believe right now what we are and who we are, we're not to be the Good Samaritan. We are to be the sojourner. We are to be the traveler. And so as we begin this story, we want to go from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's a 17-mile journey, Okay. Jerusalem to Jericho was a 3,300 uh, feet elevation difference. So this road, this journey, this, this thing that this Jew is traveling is a very steep road with bends and curves. That's why it was so dangerous because the robbers could handle and like hiding behind these rocks and they would step out and they would rob somebody and they couldn't see it coming. And so as they're going down, he's attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now pause there for a moment. It says they left him half dead. I think it's important because if I in this story is the man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, if you are the person traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, on this way, on this journey called life, sometimes we feel like we have been attacked. Amen? Sometimes we feel like there are things that have happened to us that we don't understand. Something was hiding around the corner that we couldn't see that snuck up on us and beat us to the point where we just don't even know how we're going to get up anymore. And if you've never felt that way, I encourage you because I don't understand if you're being honest. Because we all felt that way. And I think it's amazing because it says that they stripped him of his clothes. They took everything from him. They beat him, and they went away, leaving him half dead. I think this is a great example of how we are before we come to know Christ. We're half dead because we're alive on the outside, but we're dead on the inside. And so technically, at one point, we were all half dead. And I believe that this journeyman that was traveling down this road, I believe that he represents us. He was half dead laying on the side of the road. 
And as I was reading this story the last couple days, I began to ask myself, what did I feel like when I was half dead? I was alive on the outside, but I was dead on the inside. Maybe this morning, you sit before me and you are half dead. Meaning you're alive on the outside, but right now on the inside, you feel completely dead inside. You've been beaten, you've been attacked, you've literally been worn down in your life, and as you sit in front of me this morning, you feel half dead. Well, what happens? Go to the next one. It says a priest happened to be going down the road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. And then it says, so to a Levite, when he came to the place where he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Pause it there for a second. Think about this. Who does the priest and the Levite represent? The priest and the Levite represent the law. Some of you, you're half dead on the side of the road. You are alive on the outside, dead on the inside. And you're expecting the, the, the priest and the Levite to make you well. Meaning you think if I can just do enough, if I can just fulfill the law, if I can just do every day the Ten Commandments, if I can just do them, if I can just, just be who I'm supposed to be, I will heal myself. But let me tell you something. If you put your faith and you put your trust in the law, you will remain half dead. Because the priest and the Levite will pass you by. And I believe that the reason why many of you are in the situation that you're in right now is because you're trying to fix yourself on your own and you don't understand why it's not working. You get up every day and you try to do it on your own. You try to fulfill the law. Well, what is the what is this happening? What is this happening? And, and what should I do here? What should I, well, let me just figure it out. I'll figure it out. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. I'll figure it out. And at the end of the day, what you don't understand is the priest walked by on the other side. The Levite walked by on the other side. Why? Because the law will never save you. And then, my favorite part of the story, go to the next one. It says, but a Samaritan. Now, when you can imagine that this lawyer that Jesus is talking to right now, when Jesus utters the words, but a Samaritan, there is a collective suck in of air. <gasps> what? Because we know that the Jews hated the Samaritans. The Jews saw the Samaritans as half people, half breeds. Talk about some serious racism. During Jesus' time, there was racism like you've never. It was unbelievable, the disdain and the hate. When Jesus was approached by people that were trying to do certain things and say certain mean things to him, Jesus being a Jew, they looked at him and they would call him a Samaritan, trying to slash him down. So when Jesus said that the Samaritan goes down, I think it's crazy because the man, the sojourner, the traveler that's laying half down on the side of the road is a Jew. And I think it's crazy because as the Samaritan would go to that Jew, why in the world would they have any interaction? Of all the people to help in this lawyer's mind, why would it be the Samaritan? But this Samaritan, as he traveled, he came to where the man was. And I believe, and I want you to think just for a moment, and we'll unpack it some now, but I want you to think that maybe in this story, Jesus is calling himself the Samaritan. Because when I read this story, I see the Samaritan, and I see Jesus. And how many of you know that Jesus is the answer? How many of you, when you were a little kid and you was in Sunday school, right? Teacher Dolores would always ask you a question, and if you didn't know, you just said, Jesus. <laughs> Boys and girls, who parted the Red Sea? Moses. No, Jesus, right? As a little kid, you don't know. Is it Noah? Was it Abraham? Moses? I don't remember. But hey, guess what? Jesus. And she'd have to say what? 
Well, kind of. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Jesus through Moses. Yeah, he kind of did. The answer is always Jesus. I believe that the answer to who is my neighbor, the answer is not who is my neighbor, but be a neighbor. And so Jesus is saying, don't, let me, you think you know the answer. You think you got a question. Let me be the answer. I'm always the answer. And Jesus says, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was when he saw him. I love that part. He came where the man was and when he saw him. How many of you are thankful that Jesus comes to us? Jesus doesn't wait. Jesus came to us. Jesus meets you right where you are. This Samaritan came to where he was. He saw him. He took pity on him. He had compassion for him. I'm so thankful that in my life, Jesus has compassion for me. It says that he went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Go to the next one. Then he put the man on his donkey. Now let's stop there for a second. When I see this Samaritan and I see who he is, and I see that Jesus is revealing himself to this lawyer in the form of a Samaritan, I see a Samaritan the same way that I see Jesus. I see Jesus coming to us, Jesus stepping down off of his donkey, Jesus stepping out of eternity, stepping down from heaven, putting himself next to us, becoming all man. He was all God, but he was all man. Jesus taking compassion upon us, throwing away caution, and turning his caution into compassion. I see Jesus coming down from heaven. I see Jesus kneeling down by a half-dead man. And I see Jesus looking at him and saying, you know what? Let me get off of my donkey. Let me, let, me, let me bind your wounds. Let me heal you. Let me put you back together. And then Jesus picking this man up, the Samaritan picking him up, putting him on a donkey. And then where does he take him? He brought him to an inn. As I was reading this the last couple days, maybe that inn represents church. Maybe what Jesus was doing is he was bringing this man to an inn. Because when you look at an inn and you look at what that meant, the hotel, motel, holiday inn, right? When you see the inn, what you look at, what you see is those inns are always in places where people are, are hurting. They were always along a road in between towns where it was unsafe. These inns were built to help people along their journey called life. And when I look at the local church, I think maybe the local church is supposed to be at a place where people are hurting. Maybe the local church is built around a road to help people on their journey. And so maybe Jesus right here as he's picking up this man, this Samaritan, and maybe as he takes him to the end, maybe that's the, 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 the story, maybe that's the illustration, maybe that pulls in that we are to be a place to take in broken and hurting people. Maybe it's Jesus' job to heal them, but it's our job to take care of them. So my question is, as a church, are we a church that takes in hurting and broken people? That shares with them and shows them that here, you're going to be okay. We got your back. You may not be all well because what does it say here? It says he brought him to an end to take care of him. The next day, 
He took out two dinar and gave them to the innkeeper. Look at this next part. It says, look after him. Maybe Jesus is telling us as a church to look after them. Maybe it's our responsibility when people come into our church, maybe it's our responsibility to look after them, to make sure they have what they need. Is that what it says? And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. In other words, it's saying this. It's saying, listen, Jesus says, eventually I will come back. But until then, take care of each other. When broken people come in, Take care of them. If you know a wounded person that's half dead on the side of the road, where better to take them than church? I believe that we walk by so many people that are half dead on the side of the road. They may be alive on the outside, but they're dead on the inside. And I believe too many times we pass by on the other side. And what Jesus is saying is he's saying this. He's saying, follow me. Let me be the example. You want to live like Jesus, love like Jesus. Jesus loved us so much. He got off the donkey. He came from eternity. He got down on his knees. He got involved. You want to live like Jesus, do as Jesus did. Take these people. Pick them up. Bring them to the local church. Take them to the end. Care for them. Do what we can until Jesus returns. Because when he returns, I believe he's going to look to us and say, how did you, as my people, as my church, how did you take care of the people that I entrusted to you? What did you do? And I believe more than anything, God desires for us to follow his example. Jesus is not trying to do anything to this lawyer except reveal himself to him. Because through the lawyer's question, Jesus sees his heart. And he says, you think you know, but you have no idea. Don't worry about who your neighbor is. You need to start being a neighbor. I believe God's telling us this morning, don't worry about who your neighbor is. You need to start being the neighbor. Be the neighbor that reaches down. Be the neighbor that steps out. Be the neighbor that makes a difference. Be the neighbor that God's called you to be. Do what God's called you to do. Don't worry about who you're supposed to do it to. You're supposed to do it to anybody and everybody. If a Samaritan can help a Jew, we can help each other. And I believe that's what God's trying to teach us through this passage. And the other thing, which I'm not going to get into, it's a whole other thing that God just kind of put in my head and my heart. I think it's crazy he says because that whatever you need as far as the extra expense that you may have, God will reimburse you. I believe that when you give to the church, when you give to the church, God will reimburse you. Because I believe you can never outgive God. Amen? That's why I think it's so important when we talk about being a generous church. We talk about making an impact and a difference, not just with our time, not just with our talent, but with our treasure. I believe this right here, this verse represents right now that when we give to the end, whatever it happens in the end, if we can meet needs in the end, God will reimburse you. 
And that's a whole story for another day. I don't want to get on that, but that's what I believe. And it says this, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell on the hands of the robber? And then the last verse and the last response, and this is, just blows me. Go to, the next, go to the next one. Blows my mind when it says this. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. I believe this morning this is our command. Go and do likewise. I just told you the story of the good Samaritan. The Samaritan, maybe it's not us. Maybe, maybe, maybe at first was Jesus. Maybe that's who it was. And maybe the reason why we're to be like the Samaritan is because we're to be like Jesus. Maybe Jesus is looking at you this morning and says, you've heard the story, now go and do likewise. Go find a need. Because love reaches. Love reaches. Love is not about me. Love is about what he did for me. And it's my responsibility to be a vessel used by God. It's my responsibility to take the love that God has in me and show it out. If I just keep God's love, I'm missing the whole point. God says this morning, go and do likewise. Who did you pass by this week that is half dead on their journey of life? Who have you passed by this week that feels like they've been beaten and broken? Who did you pass by? I think it's crazy because a lot of times you can, I can look at the priest and the Levite and there's so many reasons why maybe they passed by. Maybe they passed by because they were on this journey and maybe they had a place to be. Maybe they passed by because they realized if they stopped, they too could get robbed. Maybe they passed by because they thought, well, wonder what he done doing himself. Why'd he get all robbed and stuff? Maybe he shouldn't have been going by himself. Maybe, he Maybe it was judgment that they passed on that man. I don't know why they passed by, but I tell you this, I don't want to pass by. I don't want to see somebody in need and wonder, well, what did you do? Did you do that to yourself? Was it self-inflicted? I don't care. Because God tells me to go and do likewise. I want to get off my donkey. I want to get on my knees. I want to see what the need is. I want to mend it. I want to fix it. And then I want to bring them to the inn. Because I know if I bring them to the inn, there's people here in this inn with me that will help them along their way. And we've got to be a church that's not scared to accept and bring in people that aren't like us. Because at one point, we were all half dead. And we've got to be a church that reaches out. We've got to be a church that loves like Jesus loves. Go and do likewise. There's four things that I want to share with you right now. I'm going to blow through them real fast. Four things because these are love lessons that I learned from the Samaritan or love lessons that I learned from Jesus when I read this story. The first one is this, and this is how we can apply what Jesus says to go and do likewise. What must we do? First one, we've got to open our eyes. We've got to open our eyes. Before we can reach others, we must be aware of others. Let me say that again. Before we can reach others, we have to be aware of others. Some of you, you're walking through life with your spiritual eyes closed. And I want you to begin to see people the way Jesus sees them. When that Samaritan stopped by, he did not say, well, he's a Jew. Wonder what he done. Jesus got off of his donkey and he said, I will help you because you are hurting. We need to begin to do the exact same thing. We need to open our eyes and we need to be aware of people around us. I believe that every day I walk by people that are half dead. And for some reason, because of whatever's going on in my mind, I'm unaware of it. I don't act like I know it. I mean, I see them, but do you really see them? Jesus showed us how we must first open our eyes. The second thing is we have to open our hearts. Jesus took pity on this man. The Samaritan had compassion on this man. 
He didn't ask why did he do it, how did he get there, what were your circumstances, what, no, he didn't say, he just took pity on him. As he was approaching him, he saw him and took, pity, took compassion, took pity on him. I believe more than anything, we've got to open our hearts because I've learned a lot in my 39 years of life. And one of the things that I've learned is you cannot be a big person and have a small heart. You can't be a big person and have a small heart. The two don't go together. And I want to be a big person. I want to be somebody that they can, people can look at and say, man, that is what I want. That is who. Follow me as I follow Christ. And what I've seen is that you can never be a big person with a small heart. I believe we need to learn more, to take compassion on people. To look at them, not their circumstances, but look at their, their hearts. Not in a judging way, but in an accepting way. The third thing is this, he opened his hands. He opened his hands. He got involved. You know, you can see somebody, you can take compassion on them. But it doesn't matter if you don't get involved. I always used to tell students when I was a student pastor, I'd say it's the difference between inviting somebody and bringing somebody. I can invite a million people, but how many am I willing to bring? And you got to get involved. Well, it's a messy situation. I don't care. Get involved. Do what you can do and let God do the rest. I love it. This Samaritan wasn't a doctor. He just took what he had on his donkey and he used it. Take what you have and use it. Well, if I had more, don't worry about what you, what you might have. Think about what you do have and then take what you do have and use it. Don't worry about the job you want to have. Be thankful for the job you do have. Take what you currently have and use it. The fourth thing is this, and we'll be done. You've got to open your schedule. You've got to open your schedule. You've got to open your life. You've got to say, you know what? Yes, I'm supposed to be going there. Yes, I'm supposed to be doing that. But right now, this is more important. This half-dead person is more important. And I believe if you can do that, if you can do that, if you can open your schedule and bring the people to the end, bring the people to the local church, begin to reach out and do what God's called us to do. Open your eyes, open your heart, open your hands, open your schedule. I believe that God will use you like he's never used you before. But I believe that God's love is too big to only love those that look like us, to only love those that look like you. And I believe when I say that, I don't mean just physically. I mean like socially, economically. I mean like, like situationally. God's love is too big to only help people inside of your small circle. God's love is a love that wants to reach so that we can teach who he truly is. So allow God to do something in you. Take what you currently have and use it to make an impact and a difference in the lives of people. Let your love reach today. If you receive it, say yes. Let's pray together.